God wants is to be believed. When God is believed, and when we say believe, we mean trusted, then you'll base your life upon his word. That's all God wants. Other things will issue from that, but God is not pleased with religious activities alone. Only faith pleases God. God wants to be believed. Modern man does everything possible to avoid believing God. We put rationalism above scripture. We put our own reason above the authority of God's word. Our minds become our gods. Where does it lead? And I'll show you where it leads. In just a few minutes, Pastor Steve is going to take us to one of the places in Scripture that describes what's wrong with putting our own minds and ideas above God's revealed Word, and also the fate of those who make that a practice. But first, we'll have a short review of faith as a gift from God. We don't generate faith on our own. God gives it to us. But like other spiritual gifts, it needs exercise in order to grow. And we'll see that faith in God isn't quite the same as faith in the chair that you may be sitting on right now as you listen to this program. It's a different kind of faith. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 25 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's lesson is the final third of Pastor Steve's introduction to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. In these classes, we want to move beyond surface descriptions of faith. We want to provide some practical tools you can use to get a better understanding of what faith really is and why it's important. In future classes, Pastor Steve will move on to the great examples of faith described in this chapter so that we can learn from them and apply those lessons to our own lives. If you can follow along in your Bible, I'll let you know ahead of time that before moving to Hebrews chapter 11, Pastor Steve will take us to a couple of short passages in Philippians and 2 Peter. Let's begin the class now. Let me show you some other things. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29. This is very important. If you can't turn there, just write it down. Philippians 1:29. Paul said, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name. So suffering is a gift from God, a gift that we probably don't thank him enough for. But also, you have been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe. So to believe is granted from, from God. It is a gift from God. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Simon Peter, a bond slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, you have received a faith. That is a gift. God gave you that faith. You have received it as a gift, not just salvation, but faith as well. And of course, you can't separate those two because when you have faith, that is what brings salvation. Those who don't know Christ don't have this God-given faith in Scripture. Now, they have faith but it is a natural kind of faith. When they're sick, they go to the doctor, at least most people do, because they have confidence, they have faith in the doctor to help them, at least faith that he knows what he's talking about. Uh, when you go to a pharmacist, you have faith in him that he's going to give you the right prescription. Uh, when you go to a restaurant, you have faith. You, you may not think about this, but you actually have faith in the cook. He's not going to poison you. Right? I mean, you have faith. Everybody has that kind of faith, but that's natural faith. That's natural faith. Everyone has that. But we're talking about supernatural faith, to believe the scriptures. That's a gift from God. So that's why you have it. 
but you base it on scripture. God puts that in your heart, even though you may, you may be struggling with some doubts now about God's word. Uh, you don't need to. I think there are answers, and we're not saying be an ignoramus and don't look into evidence and don't read books, and, and you ought to. I think the Bible can stand our investigation, but that is not why you believe. You believe because God has given you that faith. Those evidences, uh, uh, and we call it apologetics, may strengthen your faith and encourage you, but they will, uh, they will not give you faith. And that's why an unbeliever can read all the books on apologetics that he could possibly want to read and still not be moved in his heart. Even though intellectually he could see things He's still not going to be convinced. It has to be a gift from God. So what does this mean to us? It means true faith just toughs it out. True faith toughs it out and endures all kinds of adverse circumstances because you have complete confidence in God bringing his promises to pass. You've never seen heaven, but it's real. I have a friend who always likes to say that to me. I don't understand it, but it's real. That's true. It's real. It's real. It is, it is substantial. You, can, you, you feel like you can even touch it. And you are willing to endure hardships today because of the fact that, that the future is better. You have God's word on it, and you know he's telling the truth. You absolutely know it. Now, we can deepen our faith, and we can mature, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So you've got to spend time in the word to nurture that, but it is a God-given gift, and it is based on Scripture. So the first truth that describes faith, it's, a, it's based on God's promises. Secondly, faith is pleasing to God. It is pleasing to God. That's the second description or the second truth that describes faith. It is pleasing to God, verse 2. For by it, the writer says, the men of old gains approval. What the writer is saying is that by their God-given faith in the divine promises, men of old gained approval. Now, who are the men of old? Uh, It does not mean old men. Okay, I just want you to know that. Or old ladies, it does not mean that. Uh, He's using it in the sense of the ancients, your ancestors, your forefathers. The, the people that he's mentioning in chapter 11, that's who he means. It doesn't mean that old men. They might have been old, but that's not what the writer is saying. The, the men of old, the men who lived in olden times or ancient times. And what does it mean that these men of old gained approval? Well, it means that God commended them for their faith. The expression gained approval is literally to bear witness or to give testimony to. In other words, that God bore witness to each hero of the faith that his faith was commended. Each man and each woman knew that God accepted their faith, that their faith was pleasing to God. For example, verse 4 tells us about Abel. Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. That's the same thought. How did God communicate to Abel that his faith was pleasing to him, probably because he just accepted his sacrifice and he didn't accept his brother Cain's. So it showed Abel that your faith pleases me and Cain's does not. How about verse 5, Enoch? And by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God took him, for he obtained the witness, God witnessed to him that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. How did God witness to Enoch? I don't know for sure. My guess is that God just probably spoke to Enoch personally and said, you're my man, I'm taking you up, or something like that. Your faith is pleasing to me. I don't know what God said, but it says that, that God witnessed to him and told him, or in some way, that his faith was commendable. 
So the point that the writer to the Hebrews is making is that faith pleases God. That's, that's the point. How God communicated it to each man and each woman, I, I don't know. But God testified to each of them in various ways that he approved of their faith. Now, the, the real question we're faced with is, do we want to please God? And if so, how? God is not impressed with our great works. And God is not impressed with man's great accomplishments. And, and quite frankly, God just doesn't care about those things if those are acts without faith. The one thing that pleases God is faith. That's what it says. Notice verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he, that he is and that he's a re rewarder of those who seek him. Now, if you want to please God, you come on his terms, and that's faith. Faith pleases God. That simple act of saying, God, I take you at your word, and I base my life upon it. It's, it's really not complicated. It's really not complicated. And I've told you this, I'm sure, many times. A man came to the great Donald Gray Barnhouse, who is a wonderful Bible teacher and pastor in Philadelphia many years ago, and he said, Dr. Barnhouse, uh, what does God want? What does God want? I want to know what God wants. And Barnhouse said one word, believe. Just believe. All God wants is to be believed. When God is believed, and when we say believe, we mean trusted, then you'll base your life upon his word. That's all God wants. Other things will issue from that, but uh, God is not pleased with religious activities alone. Only faith pleases God. God is not pleased with a whole lot of things that people do. God wants to be believed. But modern man does everything possible to avoid believing God, don't we? We put rationalism above Scripture. We put our own reason above the authority of God's Word. Uh, our minds become our gods. And where does it lead? Let's look at Romans chapter 1. I'll show you where it leads. This is where it leads to. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. God simply wants to be trusted. God wants to be believed. God wants men and women saying that I have assurance of your word. I have conviction in my heart that it's true. But notice what man does. Talking about pagan man, man without the word of, of God in written form, but certainly having, a tr having truths about God from nature, Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They have the truth in creation, but they suppressed it. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, and he means around them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Man has the truth, and he still has it, but he suppresses it. It means he holds it down. Even though they knew God, and he means here that they knew about God. They didn't know God in a personal way. They knew about God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile, watch this, in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools." and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, what is Paul saying? He's saying, you want an accurate picture of man? This is it. He is rejecting God's truth for his own lies. The lies 
that God is not supreme, but man is. Anything to avoid submitting to God's authority. And he deceives himself into thinking he's wise, he's intelligent, he's progressive in his thinking, when in reality he's just a silly little fool. That's man. That's man. He refuses to believe God. He bases his life on a bunch of lies and suffers the consequences for it. Impurity and, 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 and some of the diseases in our society today, of course they're the consequences of sin. Of course they're God's judgments of, of man's wrath. People talk about, well, could AIDS be part of God's judgment? Of course. Of course they are. They're the natural consequences of it and a, and a host of other things. In, in fact, it defies... Um, believability that people wouldn't think that. But the, you see the contrast here when you go to Hebrews chapter 11 is that God wants to be believed and he gives truth but society as a whole has said no to that truth and they have founded all these incredible beliefs on, on lies and they have become speculative rather than worshipful. That's the direction of society. But, but ever since God created man even though society has gone in this direction, there have been individuals, unique individuals, who had faith. They didn't go along with the majority. Have you ever given someone a wonderful gift and they just set it aside and ignored it? They never appreciated it or its usefulness? Well, perhaps it was a special gift that they would really love if they would only use it. It would make their life better in many ways. But the gift sits in the corner gathering dust and rust. What a disappointment! When we come to Christ in saving faith, we are given a precious gift, the gift of faith. If not for that gift, we could never have believed in the first place. Yet all too often we don't exercise or develop our faith. I would think that would greatly disappoint the Lord. Well, Pastor Steve will be back in a minute with more from Hebrews chapter 11. If you just tuned in, we welcome you. You're listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries makes his practical expository teaching available to a wider audience through this daily radio program, and now to anyone in the world who has internet access. I'll tell you about how you can hear this and other programs online at the conclusion of today's lesson. Let's get back to class now. Pastor Steve was about to tell us of some amazing people who went against the grain of society. They didn't exactly, shall we say, go with the flow. Who are these individuals? Abel and Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, even a prostitute by the name of Rahab, Moses, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, and other people who the writer doesn't mentioned. He's not saying that these people were perfect. Far from it. Far from it. But they all believed God, even when nobody else did. And God approved of it. God pours his wrath on society in the form of the consequences of sin, but he approves of those who believe. In fact, if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, this is a great verse. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what is that? What is he saying? These are the people who witness to us that we can live by faith because they did it. We can do it also. They are witnesses to us. And by the way, when we get to it, I'll, I'll explain. They're not standing around in a gallery from heaven looking at us, cheering us on. That's not the point. 
No, they are witnessing to us uh, that they live by faith and we can live by faith too, even if others don't. Even if you are persecuted, even if you suffer, even if you have to give your life for it, you should and you must live by faith. So in the midst of busy, hectic schedules, complicated lives and incredible pressures, the only thing that really counts is pleasing God. Keep that in mind. Nothing else really matters. Nothing else is a priority. God wants to be believed, and it is accomplished by taking him at his word in a way that means we live differently. So the first truth that describes faith, it is based on God's promise. promises. The second truth that describes faith is faith is pleasing to God. The third truth that describes faith is faith gives us understanding. Fantastic truth. Took me a while to figure out how this fits in, but it makes so much sense. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the world, and it really is the universe, it's not just our earth, but the universe was, were prepared, the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Before the writer begins to name the heroes of the faith, which he does, beginning in the next verse 4, the writer makes this incredible statement about faith and God's creation of the universe. And what's his point? Faith in God's word allows us to understand what man cannot discover by himself. The key word here is by faith, we understand. Faith gives us understanding. No one was present at creation. I mean, I'm getting old, but I'm not that old. But no one was there. No one was there. In fact, God said to Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Job was claiming that he kind of knew a lot of things and he understood. And, and God said, where were, you think you have all the answers? Where were you? You weren't even a glimmer in your grandfather's eyes. I mean, that type of thing. Where were you? We wouldn't have a clue as to, crea uh, as to uh, creation, anything about creation, if God didn't reveal it in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. That he created the universe, you know how? By speaking the word. That's what it says also in verse 3. We understand the worlds were prepared or fashioned by the word of God. God said, let there be, and the Bible says, and there was. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. God just spoke it into existence. Incredible. God hasn't explained it in scientific terms. We don't need that. He just said that he made it. You see, the only reason people speculate about the origin of the universe today is because they reject God's truth on the subject. They don't understand, so they come up with all kinds of theories. Now the, the new big theory is the Big Bang Theory. And believe me, in a few years that'll be outdated. And there'll be some other theory. But we have understanding because we believe God's word. You may have questions, you, you may have some struggles, you may wonder, you may uh, have some difficulties in this area. You don't need to, because faith is very practical. Faith is a practical matter. It enables us to understand what God does, and it enables us to see what others cannot see. Even the greatest minds. Science simply theorizes and speculates and uh, and really does all kinds of, uh, gives out all kinds of philosophies about creation. And the reason being is that, no, you cannot go back and demonstrate it again. Science is only limited to something that can be uh, demonstrated again. How can you possibly demonstrate creation? 
Well, you can't. In fact, it's out of the field of science by their own definition of, of science. And, and the reason they theorize is because they reject God's word. Many do, not all scientists, obviously, reject God's word on the subject. Science ultimately just goes from one theory to another. And you know what? If the Lord does not come the next 2,000 years, they will be doing all kinds of theories, and they'll never stop. Never. Never. You have more understanding and insight than the most brilliant scientist on, on this subject. Why? Because you believe God. By faith, we understand. And you don't have to apologize for faith in creation. You don't have to feel like, well, I'm kind of silly and dumb, but yeah, I believe it. No, that's not, that's not the case. By faith, you understand it. You may not know it in scientific terms. You may not be able to answer all the arguments, but you know that the Bible teaches creation. And therefore, we believe it and we know it. So don't be intimidated by the so-called great thinkers of today. You may not have their intellectual capacities, but you have more insight and comprehension of, our, of how our world came into being than, than they do. And if you get discouraged, just go back to Romans 1, and it will encourage you because professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Speculative fools. Darkened hearts and minds. You have faith, and therefore you have understanding. And faith allows you to understand what others do not. And by the way, it's not the other way around. It is not that understanding leads to faith. It is that faith leads to understanding. There is a difference, and, and you ought to write that, write that down. So, do you have true faith? That, that's the issue here. Do you have true faith? If you do, if you have God-given faith, then you will persevere through life's trials because you take God's promises of future things as real. You will trust him regardless of the circumstances. And when you are tempted to give up, and we are, remember that your faith pleases God. It really Why would you go back on that? Because it pleases God. And it gives you understanding that nobody else really has. Even if others mock you and ridicule you, if you have that kind of faith, that God-given faith, you will persevere. Also, the issue is this. If you do not have that kind of faith, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you should. You don't have to wait for a bolt of lightning. You don't have to wait for some buzz, some feeling. If you see that you're sinful, if you understand that Jesus died for you and that the only way to heaven is to trust him as you repent of your sin, and you... you, you this is not intellectual agreement. It's not just that. It's not that I believe because I, I think that Jesus did rise from the dead and I think he's God. It has to go beyond intellectual agreement with the facts. It is a faith that is will, that you're willing to base your life upon. And more than that, it is a faith that you are willing to base your eternal destiny upon. You're willing to trust Christ alone. If you have not already trusted Christ, there's no better time than now to do so. Over the past three classes, Pastor Steve has introduced the subject of faith. We've learned three major truths that describe faith. The first is that this is based on God's promises. The second truth that describes faith is that faith is pleasing to God. The third truth is that faith gives us understanding. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving there since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries is an extension of that teaching ministry. 
We are a faith-based ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. If you would like to hear today's program again or listen to some of our archived programs, just aim your web browser at versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online, download the audio, or sign up for our free podcasting service. That's versebyverseradio.org. Say, if you would like to order an audio CD or a cassette with the entire uninterrupted message, please call us. The number is 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. And we invite you to join us for our next class as Pastor Steve will be teaching about the heroes of the faith. 